We've called this series incredible because we have taken a few minutes to consider an incredible God who has a heart for people. And we've been looking in this uh, series of sermons about God's incredible love. And it does kind of segue with what we have been doing in our vacation Bible school. And we talked about how God so loved us that he actually sent his son to this world so that he could become a human being and demonstrate his love for us. And today we're looking at how he sees a broken person. This week in Vacation Bible School, our children will remember that we had what we called artifacts. And um, one of our artifacts was this one here. Uh, would any of you remember which one this is? Yes, Jazz, you remember? What is it? it what, honey? It's like a vase. Yes, it's the alabaster jar. And we learned from this something about the way that God loves people and the way that God sees people. We're going to be reading a passage of scripture, and I'm jumping right into the middle of the story that is connected with this. We looked at this story together in Vacation Bible School, and now we're going to, that's going to fall over. We're going to look at a story, um, at this story again this morning. And I'm just going to take a few moments to contrast with with you, the way people see people and the way God sees people. Let's go to Luke chapter four, verse uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter seven, verse 44, Luke seven, 44. And we'll project it on the screen for you. We're breaking into the middle of this story. Then he that's Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And those of you who were in vacation Bible school will remember what was happening. A Pharisee, a teacher, a religious leader of that culture and day and that, that uh, time uh, put on a great big dinner. He had kind of noticed that Jesus was really, really popular. At this point in his ministry. And so he decided, I'm going to have him at my house. Pharisees were, how do I put this? They were the kind of people who who wanted to be seen and wanted to be noticed. So the Pharisees wore special clothing. And so that they would walk down the street and people would say, oh, there's a Pharisee. He's really holy. They wore a thing called a phylactery. Where the, it was like this headband that had a great big box on the head. And it was filled with scriptures because they wanted to appear holy. And they were very, very careful that everybody noticed them. When they prayed, they made a big, grandiose prayer out loud so that everybody would see how righteous these Pharisees were. And that was just kind of how they lived their lives. They wanted everybody to notice them. They wanted wanted to be seen. They wanted to be respected. And up until Jesus coming onto the scene, everybody did really respect the Pharisees because they didn't have any other religious leaders. And suddenly Jesus is on the scene and crowds of people are coming to 
to him. And every time he speaks, people are hanging on every word. And they even make a comment. This man doesn't speak like the rest of the teachers do. This man teaches with authority. There's something about him. And he was captivating and so very popular. In addition to that, Jesus performed miracles of healing of all kinds. And the people wanted to be with him and around him. There was something about Jesus that made everybody comfortable. He could relate to the poor man. He could relate to the rich man. And people just wanted to be around him. He was that kind of personality that people at this point were drawn to him. And the Pharisee, Simon is his name, noticed it. And he thought, you know what I want to do? I'm going to have a big old dinner and I'm going to invite Jesus there. And in typical Pharisee fashion, grandiose as it could be, huge. Everybody in that town knew about this dinner. And he issued some invitations. He invited all the other Pharisees so that they would see he got Jesus to come to his gig. And so he he has this dinner lined up and then the dinner is going. And listen, I know because they were wealthy and and in just the, the fashion in which they would throw their parties. I know that the food, man, the smells were was probably amazing in that house. First of all, it was a beautiful house. And then to walk into that dinner party and to smell the meats that were cooking and the homemade bread. Oh, my word. And the desserts and all those smells. You know, I'm getting ready to make you all hungry. But you know that kind of what it does to you and how it affects you when you walk into like my favorite. uh, One of my favorite. Well, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, not because of the food, but because we get together and we thank God together. But I love the smells. Of Thanksgiving. That's one of my favorite meals. uh, The turkey and all that done. And just to walk into a house and have all those smells hit you. That is incredible. They're there. They're enjoying their dinner. And somebody walks in. Who was not on the invitation list. And she before they know it. Is at the feet of Jesus. And she's weeping. Tears are, are falling on Jesus feet. And she's down at his feet. And she's drying his feet with her hair. And in her hand, she has an alabaster jar. These jars were made to contain very precious spices and or like perfume. And um, one account of a story, uh, an incident in Jesus' life where somebody had an alabaster jar. Uh, in one account, it was eight months wages worth of, of, of expensive uh, nard, it was called And so this could be a very expensive venture for this lady. And the Bible says she breaks open that perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet. And it just changes the smell of the room. And so there's a man there, the the Pharisee, the leader of this particular dinner, the man who went through all the expense and all the trouble, Simon the Pharisee, and I believe from what I can read in this account, he's not happy. And so I want to just contrast something. I think when he looked at this woman, he saw one thing. And I think when Jesus looked at this woman, he saw another. And I'm just going to march through these things very quickly. And I want you to consider the difference in how a person sees other people and how Jesus 
sees people. Let's talk first about how Simon viewed this woman. I would tell you that he saw her sinfulness. Verse 39. The fact is this woman had lived a really bad life. And she was known. And even the, even, uh, the scriptures here says she had many sins. So I don't know what it was, uh, but the Pharisees, I don't know what it was that she did. I don't know. Uh, there's a pretty strong indicator. She was probably a prostitute, had probably broken up a whole lot of families, had probably caused a lot of trouble in that town, and nobody really liked her very much. And that's the indication. And you see, Pharisees were brought up and trained. You don't associate with people like this. In fact, they were in a category that the Pharisees just would lump in him. And, and in, in my Bible, it's in quotes, sinners. When you were in that category of people, what that said was you were eternally cursed. And there is no way for you to get right with God because you have blown it too badly. You're unredeemable. You're trash. And the Pharisee, you will read in this story, even thought to himself, if he knew what woman was touching him, if he was really holy, he should know who she is. And he's letting her touch him. And so I, I believe that Simon was looking at this woman and he was judging her. He was looking down on her. He says, I know who she is. I know how she acts. And all he could see is her sinfulness. And in his mind, she was like trash to him. She didn't deserve to be in the in, in his home. He didn't want her there. He didn't have anything to do with people like this. And she had the, the, the nerve and the gall to be there. And I believe he saw her brokenness. This woman, as I said, had lived a lifestyle, made choices that had in all likelihood broken her down. And certainly as she was there in front of Jesus, she is weeping. And life has brought her to a point where her life is just falling apart. Frankly, I think all of us have been there to some degree in our lives when we have just been falling apart. And life isn't working. And for her, life wasn't working. She was broken. And I can see this man saying, well, it's her fault. She did this to herself. I don't even know. So what? She's crying. Yes, she should be broken. She's a mess. She's a red hot mess. And he saw that and, and again classified her in his mind. And and folks... Can we just admit that there is a lot of that going around in the world today? And sadly, a lot of that going around in the churches today. Where somebody comes in and we recognize sinfulness. We recognize brokenness. And we basically come to the conclusion, well, they deserved this. They did this. And this woman had done things that had broken her and hurt her and made her a broken person. And so he saw that and he saw her boldness. And in his mind, what nerve for this woman to be in his home doing what she was doing. In his mind, it was a frustration. This was a culture, please remember, of uh, it was a man's culture. Women weren't equal to men in this culture. She had her nerve busting into this party and just breaking the protocol and all of the the. Uh, plans that Simon had put in place. It was all gone. His agenda was all wasted. It was all in pieces. And I can kind of see it reading through this. If you read through this account in Luke chapter 7, you can see uh, Simon saying to himself, man, this woman's got a lot of nerve coming in her. That's a bold move. It's horrible. Who does she think she is? And I've seen that attitude, sadly, by people. Sometimes people take all of the strength they got just to darken church doors. And I've seen people look 
at them and say, who do they think they are? Especially if they should happen to make a move towards God. Who do they think they are? You know, they got a lot of nerve being here. They got a lot of nerve praying to God now after all the trouble has come. I think he saw in her a distraction. You see this sinner, this person in a class of people that that were just unredeemable and nasty and white trash and all of that. This sinner stole the attention from Simon and put it uh, and stole the attention of Jesus from Simon. And and suddenly now Jesus isn't even paying attention to Simon. He's paying attention to the woman at his feet. The evening is not going out the way he wanted it to go. His plans are destroyed. The smell interfered with the smell of the good food. It wrecked the dinner. And it bothered Simon that the the focus of the evening shifts from Simon to a sinner. She's a distraction. She's a bother. She's in the way. And he saw no change in this woman. What I'm trying to say here is, I think it's safe to say that when this woman left that evening, Simon still saw her as he had seen her all along. She's still a sinner to me. Jesus might have said he forgave her. I don't forgive her. She's still trash to me. She doesn't amount to anything to me. Jesus might pr- pronounce that she was saved and her faith saved her. But to Simon, she was eternally lost and there was no hope for her. He looked at her and said, I don't know anything happened here. In fact, I'm, I would think that for the remainder of this evening, it was pretty awkward and quiet in that house after she left whenever she did. Probably Simon went from being very excited to have Jesus into his home to hardly waiting for Jesus to leave. Because everything was ruined. And he, Simon, saw no, no change. And as much as he had looked forward to this evening, I think he just wanted it to end now. And he just wanted to kind of lick his wounds. I want to contrast that now with you. We, we looked at how Simon saw this woman. I'd like to suggest to you how Jesus saw her. I would suggest to you that Jesus saw her sinfulness. And I need to say this. Jesus sees sinfulness. And he doesn't whitewash it. He doesn't call it something else. He doesn't say, oh, that's a mistake. He sees sinfulness. Jesus sees it. But we need to understand that when he sees the sinfulness of our lives, he sees with the eyes of compassion. He sees with the eyes of redemption. He wants to fix that. I see the biggest difference here in how Jesus was viewing this woman was this. Simon saw her and said, she's blown it. She's all messed up. She's non-repairable. We can't fix this one. This one's going to hell. And that's that. I see Jesus saying, wait till you see what happens when she is separated from her sins. And so Jesus saw her. He saw the sinfulness. And the first thing he wanted to do was remove the sin from her heart. Take it away. Take it out of her life. Help her lead that life. Help her to have transformation. Let me just camp on this for a second. Church, we can never forget that Jesus Christ has always been about transforming people. Always been about making something new happen in our lives. We studied it in Sunday school this morning where we read the quote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Jesus saw the sinfulness of this woman. He saw how sin had affected her and he had compassion on her. His heart was heavy for her and he loved her. Jesus looked into the very soul of her and wanted to separate her from her sin. He saw her brokenness. Yes, Jesus saw that this woman was broken. He saw how contrite, how broken this woman was because of her sins, how she felt about them. He saw that she was down at his feet begging for mercy. And he looked into her soul and he found that in her heart was godly sorrow. She was tired of living the way she had lived. Simon didn't see any of this, but this woman wanted to stop being what she was and she wanted to be changed. And she had some hope in her heart that Jesus could do something for her. So she's crying at his feet. Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10 tells us that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. This woman was broken as she was there at the feet of Jesus and weeping at his feet. And Jesus saw that act and he saw her boldness. Oh, Jesus saw that she boldly came to him. And I firmly believe that Jesus translated that into courage. I need to just say this to you one more time, church. I want to talk specifically about a person who maybe when they were a child, maybe when they were young, maybe in a vacation Bible school. At some point in their life, they came to, they came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. They believed in him. They accepted him into their heart. And they began to live that life for Christ. But somewhere along the line, something went terribly wrong. And they began to live contrary to their relationship with the Lord. And they began to ruin their relationship with Jesus because of their own choices, because of their own sins. And they, what the Bible calls, backslide. They just go away from God. They're headed in one direction and then suddenly in their living, they're going in another direction. They're, They're ignoring what the Holy Spirit is saying in their hearts and they just keep sinning and they go far away from God. Let me tell you something. It takes all of the bravery that a person has, especially if a church knows about that person. For that person to darken the doors of a church takes a lot of courage. And Jesus saw the boldness of this woman to break into a dinner party she wasn't invited to. To break all of the protocol and to fall at his feet. He saw our boldness and he was moved with compassion. I believe Jesus saw that. I believe he was moved by it. I believe that he loved her and he cared about what was going on. I believe Jesus, when he saw this woman, saw an opportunity You see, this was no inconvenient distraction to Jesus. And it's one of the things I love about the Lord. Whenever I read this this book and I read the stories of Jesus, man, almost every day he was swamped and busy and really, really working very hard. And you read it time after time in the middle of something that he is doing that's very important. Suddenly he runs into somebody or somebody runs up to him and asks for help. And it's never an intrusion to him. He always just turns his attention to them and he loves on them and he blesses them and he helps them. And I see him sitting at this dinner party. I don't think he was upset in the least bit. I don't think he looked at this woman and said, oh, my goodness, what is she doing? She's embarrassing me. Why is she touching me? None of that. He wasn't looking at her as a distraction. He says, I've got an opportunity to be this woman's savior today. I have an opportunity to forgive her sins and to set her free and to make her a brand new person. 
And I have to tell you folks, oh church, I hope we're listening to this today. We we can never view a person when they come into our lives at an inopportune time. We can never view them as a distraction, as something that is a nuisance to us. Because that might be their moment. And finally, I would tell you that although Simon didn't see it, he saw, Jesus saw this woman changed. He saw that she walked out brand new. Her sins had been forgiven. He made her a new creature. When Jesus was done with her that day, she left a completely new woman. Here's something we all need to remember, folks. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be defined by our past. Look, I've done things in my life that I hate. But I, I mean, I'm guilty. And I'll tell you very honestly, before I came to Christ when I was 10 years of age. But by the age of 10, I was one of the worst liars you would have ever wanted to meet. I would lie to you. Look you straight in the eye. Lie to you and convince you I was telling you the truth. I was really, sadly, very good at lying. I lied to teachers. I lied to everybody. Another thing, I hate to even admit this, but it is true. I was such a thief. If somebody had something I wanted, I would steal it. I'm not happy about that, but I was a, just this terrible thief. By the age of 10, I was, I was terrible about that. I did some other things that I won't even mention here today. But I will tell you, I'm not defined by that. Because I'm no longer a liar. God set me free. I'm no longer a thief. I haven't stolen since I was nine years old. I'm no longer a thief. I don't do those things anymore. Why? Because I came to Christ and Christ came into my life and he changed me. That's not who I am. What I used to be, I'm not anymore. And I thank God for that. I'm glad that our past doesn't have to define us. But I want to come back to this question because I didn't really highlight it in this this morning's message, but I'm going to highlight it now. Jesus looked at Simon in this dinner when all this is going on. Simon's mad. This woman's at his feet doing all these things. And Jesus asked Simon this. Do you see this woman? Simon, do you see? Do you understand? And church, I just want to camp on this for a second. What do we see here at the Gospel Chapel? How do we view people? Maybe a better way of asking this question is how do we see them? What do we see when we see a person? When we see somebody that maybe we might know, man, they're, they're a hot mess. Maybe they're a sinner and, and I'm going to say something I said in Sunday school. This is not an insult at all. I don't, I don't expect sinners to act anything Uh, uh, like anything but like a sinner. Sinners sin, so they act like sinners. And that's the way it is, okay? And I don't mean that as an insult. I don't get excited if somebody acts out as a sinner because they're a sinner. But how do we see them? Do we tend to be a little more like Simon or do we tend to be more like Jesus? Do we judge or do we have compassion? Do we even notice them? Oh, I hope that wakes you up. Do we even notice people today? Can people come by us and we just pay no attention? Do opportunities come by us, church, and we don't take them? Do we see broken people and feel put out and repulsed because of what they're doing? Or do we see a hurting person who needs the love of Christ? Are we known as a church that cares in this community? What is our reputation around here anyway? How does Northampton know us? How do people around us know us? I mean people that don't come here. How do our neighbors know us? Are we even known? Do they know we exist? 
Are we known as a people who judge broken people? Or are we known as a church that offers hope to broken people? Do we see? Do we see people who we know have messed up walking in our doors? The broken people, the lost, the hurting? And do we think about them having a lot of nerve coming in here? What, what are they doing in here? Or will we look at them and see an opportunity? From our perspective, when a, quote, sinner kneels in front at our, what we call our altar rails, these chairs, and prays for mercy, do we have this thing in our minds that we think to ourselves, um, I'll just wait and see. You know, they said they were forgiven. They said that they prayed, but I'll just wait and see. I don't think I'm going to trust them. And what if we were in the middle of a song service and the Holy Spirit was working in a powerful way and suddenly somebody broke up our service protocol. And instead of waiting till the end of the message, they were at these chairs praying and crying and seeking the Lord. Would that be an intrusion to us? Would we be annoyed? Would we say, oh, that's not on the schedule yet? I'm asking God to help us to consider what we as a church will do with, when people are hurting. How do we view people? How do we see when a person pays through? I praise through. I pray that our attitude is rejoicing with the angels, not waiting to see how they turn out. So do we see people like Simon or Jesus sees them? Simon sees with the eyes of judgment. Jesus sees with the eyes of redemption. Simon filters everything with suspicion and doubt. Jesus filters everything with his love and with hope. Do we see? Do we see people by the color of their skin or the pricelessness of their soul? Do we see people as intrusions or opportunity? Do we greet people with cold indifference and suspicion or with warm openness and hope? Do you see?